You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to episode number 91 of FPEA Connects. I am Suzanne. I'm so glad that you're listening in today. We have a special episode of our podcast today that I'm going to be sharing um, mic space with my friend, Hannah Cartagainer. So hello, Hannah. Hello, Suzanne. How are you doing today? I am great. Good, good, good. Um, I was excited that Hannah said yes, because Hannah and I will get together and have a lot of interesting conversations. Over the years that we've been friends, we have found a lot of common interests And we enjoy sharing a lot of information about those interests and some of the things that we're going to talk about today, that's going to be obvious and, and we'll get to those things. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about Hannah from my perspective, and then I'm going to let Hannah tell you a little bit about Hannah as well. So I met Hannah at FPEA, which is um, the FPEA convention, which is the most amazing FPA is the most amazing homeschool convention on the planet. I always say that I'm not biased at all, but we really enjoy our convention. The best part of it to me from the very first time that I went um, to this very day is that it feels like you're walking into this great family reunion. I always felt like I was walking into a place where there were people who thought like I thought, felt like I felt about things. And I made immediate friendships and relationships. It was in one of those years, um, several years later, that I actually met Hannah and we started talking. And now Hannah, is she is a homeschool mom. She has been the whole time I've known her. But she's very involved in her community and in helping others um, to successfully homeschool their children and get acclimated to homeschooling their children. But um, also, she serves at FPEA with us as a regional representative in the Orange County area, the middle of the state. And so she's become a part of the FPEA family in that sense as well, uh, where she's with us and helping us to um, continue to help families as they're looking to homeschool. So we're going to talk today about some things when um, when we can uh, get to it here that we feel like really will be helpful for homeschool families, whether you've been homeschooling for a long time or whether you're just beginning um, homeschooling. So, but Hannah, tell us a little bit about yourself, things you want to share with our listeners today. Okay. Um, thank you so much. You said such kind things. Um, well, I have always homeschooled my kids. I have an adult son and an 11-year-old daughter, and I fell into homeschooling. Um, <laughs> I found a group of very helpful people, some of which I am still friends with today, and they came alongside of me and showed me how and encouraged me and told me about FPEA and brought me in and I'm telling you, the convention is an amazing place, wonderful friends, good resources. If you are on a homeschool journey and you are really just trying to find your way, it is the place to be. Uh, I have been married for almost 22 years, and I also really enjoy uh, helping other homeschoolers. It's my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I love to be a homeschool ambassador. Yes. 
that's a good way of putting it because I think that's truly what you are. Um, so what Hannah and I were talking about today is really, I think, going to be ways that we can relate to and discuss where we have found a way to kind of make sense of our our homeschool lifestyles and to address things as we've gone along our way that we saw were stressful in our lives, ways that we could either avoid stress or de-stress or sometimes manage stress <laughs> wherever we might be. Yes. Um, <clears throat> but finding ways that we could give some pointers because um, like we were talking about before we started our podcast today, you know, um, we're in the beginning of 2021. 2020 showed us that we were going to face a lot of challenges in our lives in very many different ways in different areas of our lives. And I think it just has been very much in front of us that people have had to deal with things that they are not accustomed to dealing with before. People are having to deal with a lot of changes around them and people are having to um, just work to plan things that would have been really easy before. So the anxiety levels can be high, you know, and so we, we understand that we've been there too. And not, we would be the first ones to say we don't have it down and we're not perfect. Oh no. (laughs) We are not trying to claim transparency there. That's right. (laughs) We're not trying to claim that we know it all, but we have found things that uh, we feel like we can share that have been a key to helping us get through some of those details. So we'll just kind of like go through this list that we've kind of written down haphazardly here <laughs> to talk very about. haphazardly. But we were going to talk about organizing first, I think, in and foremost for me, and and then then you can speak to the how this okay. speaks to you. I will I will go with this one first. Organizing is is one of those things. That for me always was like, it was the beginning of my homeschool year. And one of my favorite things to do is sit down and go through my entire bookcase and rearrange it, make sure everything's in order and think about what I want to use, what I don't want to use, what I need to add, all of those things. So there's that part of me that organizes and loves it. There's also the part of me that will look around and think, I don't want to get rid of that. I don't, I don't want to get rid of that. Well, one of the best things absolutely in my life this year was the amount of stuff I got rid of. And I did a lot of decluttering and a lot of just looking at things that I thought that I needed to keep for my grandchildren and their children to homeschool with. <laughs> oh, like, yes. I was like, no, I don't need that. You know, there's going to be something. And of course, there are special things that I kept. And especially books. Those are special to all my family, but there are things that we, we hold on to and we keep, but there were so, so many things that I could part with and get rid of. So that was really refreshing for me. And it relieved me a lot of a lot of anxiety because I don't know that you realize how much anxiety a space can cause until you see that space cleaned out or organized and you can walk in and feel the difference. So I would say, if you have not done it already, because some of us have had enough time at home to do this this year, but if you haven't, 
take some time to look at how you can declutter and, and part with some things because sometimes those things become burdensome if you have to deal with them, where they're going to go, how they're going to, you know, stay in good shape. If you're going to have to move, how do you move that? You know, it's just, it can become a burden. So you don't need a burden. You need to find what you can to declutter. So what do you think about Well, I am not a minimalist, but I definitely uh, like to declutter. Um, I have a lot of stuff. I don't have a huge house, but I feel much better when my space is in order. Mm -hmm. And I like to be able to find things relatively easily. Um, So decluttering often, um, I like to do, like even just take one little shopping bag and go around and try to get to 10 items or 20 items and um, get them out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to think about organizing in terms of season a lot. So I'll reset my kids' clothes or um, whatever they might need for upcoming vacations or whatever we're going to be doing as far in advance as I can, just so that's done. And same with like homeschooling supplies or holiday things. Um, We tend to use a lot of seasonal items in our homeschooling. We like to do co-ops with people with seasonal themes and um, different unit studies that have a seasonal flair to them. So I keep most of those things all organized in bins. Um, I'll get them out early enough that everything is set and ready to go if something were to come up. Mm -hmm. So just thinking ahead, I think, is a big one when it comes to organizing and also not biting off too much at once. Just a little corner or, you know, one drawer or one closet at a time. So that's where I fail at this sometimes It's because I will look at it and it's got to be, we're going to organize this entire room today and it ends up looking worse before it looks better. It always looks and I worse get, before it looks oh better. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't. Now I've got to make dinner. So I absolutely agree with you. I've it's done it that a little way too. Bit. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but I to. do think that once you get your space to a certain point, Mm-hmm. You can keep up with it if you just hit tackle that little bit at a time. Just a little bit. Absolutely. And then if you do have a big thing, like say your closet, um, you can tackle that if the rest of your space is relatively calm. handled. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If it's calm and in order, we can move to the next thing. Yes. Yeah. So that's so those are good things. Yeah. I think organizing small spaces to keep up with it and maintain and just decluttering, like you said, whether you're decluttering in a big way today, or just walking around, picking up a few things that you can get rid of and, and keep out of your space right well, I now. Th- so. I think we should also add trying to put away what you can as you go through the day, mm-hmm. whether it's telling your kids, come on in here, I want you each to find 10 things and put it away, or just as you walk from room to room, just putting right. one or two things back where they go, it all adds up. Right. And I think that, you know, think talking about smaller children, younger children, which we both have ours now that can handle a lot of their things on their own. But man, you know, you think back to the days when your, you know, one year old child or 18 month old child would dump a basket of toys that covered the entire space. And while you're homeschooling other kids. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And you hate to go clean up those toys, you know, so. I really, I I was very glad that I was able to teach that early to my kids. Don't take out something else until you put this away. 
And it takes a little bit of discipline, but you know what? Kids like that order too. Yes. And I think that it it's a good point to say that if you're organized and if your space is organized, that you will often find that your days don't seem as hectic with small children because they feel right like they are in a calm space, just like we feel like we're in a calm space when it's organized, you know, and decluttered. So I think that that bears some weight to, to noting that as well. Um, so let's move on to the next topic. We are going to talk a little bit about feeding people and how to approach that in such a way that you are not feeling stressed about that. So the very worst thing I can do for myself is get to the end of the day. And by the end of the day, I mean, you know, dinner time because I'm home now (laughs) and come in and say, okay, what are we going to have for dinner? And the worst thing for me to do in that point is to ask everybody else in my household, what do you want for dinner? Because nobody knows. They don't have any idea or everybody has a different idea. And that causes me so much stress. So I do very well with a meal planning, um, whether it's weekly or monthly. Sometimes it's just to get through the next couple of days. But if I know in advance what I'm doing and I can plan for that, it is so much easier on me and and then in turn my family because I'm not sitting here going, nobody knows what they want to eat. (laughs) Are you kidding me? So it's easier for me if I know and I can work toward that. And we now have everybody in my household is old enough to cook and they can't handle the kitchen. And if I need to say, okay, you're making this tonight or you're doing that tomorrow. That also helps me as well. But then in that event, I've already purchased the items from the grocery store because I was, I had planned. So I think that for me, that meal planning is important and I love to do it. Uh, You know, we have our planner from FPEA and we designed that planner um, pretty much for the way that, you know, as we we're talking about it in here amongst us, the people that were working on it, it was like, what do we need? Like, what do I need to make my day? And that was one of those things that I need. I was like, you know what? It needs to be in there because for you to organize your household and for you to organize your schedule, that's a key part. That's a key part to me. And I think it's that way for a lot of people as well. I just think that it gets ahead of us and we or you know, we we get behind it or however you want to look at it and we don't get to it. So getting to that to me is crucial. So how about you? Well, in full disclosure, I will say uh, my husband cooks more than I do. Uh, so thank that you is awesome. very much, husband, <laughs> for that. He's a great cook. That is fantastic. Um But I'm just now reminded of last summer when my son cooked most of the dinners. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the summer before he left for college, uh, just because everything was so up in the air and we weren't really sure what was going on with him or with with our schedule. Um, He took that on and he did a great job and it really relieved that from the adult's the parents in the household. So, and he probably enjoyed playing in the kitchen. <laughs> he does. He actually really loves uh, cooking. He took a culinary arts class back when he was in middle school and he enjoys cooking like his dad. But one of the things that I like to do in my family regarding feeding people mm-hmm. is once a month cooking. Okay. I like to cook for a weekend or a day, um, you know, right 
find the recipes, write down all the ingredients, go for a big shopping trip, bring it all home, process it all, cook it all, get my kids involved. That's homeschooling. And then load that freezer up with healthy, inexpensive meals that we can grab out of the freezer as Mm -hmm. we need them. So that's something I try to do. I wish I could do it more often. Um, and I think, I think now I'm in a season where I can start doing it a little more often than when I was driving kids everywhere and had all these different schedules going. Um, so I'm, I'm getting back into some of that and I really enjoy it. And like I said before, homeschooling and cooking go hand in hand. There's so much there. Um, food preparation is life skills There's math involved, especially if you add in the shopping and the recipes and doubling and tripling recipes. Great life skills. I mean, for every, every child. Yes. Those are the things that they need to know how to do. And, you know, for me, I have to back off sometimes and and give myself space in those, in those, you know, areas, because for instance, here's an example. Um, We grind our wheat and make bread. And I know that there are a lot of people that do that, right? Yes. So for me, it was important that we did it and that we did it, you know, all baked in the oven, let it rise, let it do it without any other machines. or That was just me. Everybody else that had machines, I was like, that's great. But this is how we're going to do it. I found that I wasn't successful at always having it. So I was, you know, hemming and hawing about, well, should I get a bread machine? No, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that because I want to make it. This is a big deal to me. My sister got me one for Christmas and it is the best thing that has happened to us because now we actually do get bread every week <laughs> before we did it. And so I would say my lesson in that, and I think other people, you know, sometimes it's worth either the money or breaking down from how you saw it being perfect, Right. To allow yourself the tools that you need to make once a month cooking happen, fresh bread happen, whatever it is, you know, healthy meals where you're, where you're making everything from scratch, whatever it is you want to do. I think that there's a way to attack it and you just have to find out how that works best for you and, and be gracious to yourself. I beat myself up for years, not wanting a bread machine. Now I think I was really ridiculous, (laughs) but you know. You learn, and I think you adjust in those ways. So that's good. And we're talking about some of the planning and the menu planning and and planning ahead on some things. We can touch a little bit on school and our actual academics and how we we work. I know we work in similar ways from previous conversations we've had about thinking in advance about how we're going to um, do our school year, what kind of topics we want to touch on. You and I are both very eclectic. In our approach and find the ways to make educational the things that we want, you know, um, to learn. And when I say make educational for our children's sake. Yes. So um, one of our loves that we share is gardening. And if we want to incorporate teaching our children something about that, we know how to make an entire study. Absolutely. A year, a unit, or whatever it is, we can do it. Ten because years. That's, that's um. right. <laughs> because we we will incorporate those things. But part of that comes from planning ahead and thinking about what we want our kids to learn. Yes. So 
for, you know, for me, I know that I have to sit down at the beginning of my season, which has always been before going to a convention for me, because when I go to convention, I know that that's my biggest open area of resources available that I can just pick up right then and there. Um, and I love to touch things and see things and flip through things. That's just part of my shopping style. So Mine too. So for me, <laughs> I would have to sit down before convention and think through all of those things. What do I want to teach? How do I teach it? Um, and then keeping up with the big picture, I am less oriented towards single, every single day planning. Um, I will leave that, especially as my kids are older, more up to them to manage their days and what they're going to accomplish where I will give them this month, we're going to do this or this week, we're going to do this. Um, this is what I want you to accomplish by then, you know, that kind of thing. But for us, those kinds of lesson plans take second to the experiential things that we do together. Yes. So that's how we approach that. But, but the planning part of it, even though to some people, I'm sure it doesn't look like that planning because it's more eclectic than what some people see as a very traditional approach to planning, but it's crucial. Like, you know, to be eclectic, you almost have to plan more sometimes. Yeah, I, I think, feel than, that way. Yeah. <laughs> than the person who has got everything laid out in a book sometimes, you know, I'm not putting that. There are different ways there, to do it. Yeah. That happens to be the way absolute. you and I do it. I do it a little different than, than you were both eclectic. I think we both kind of come come to the same end result. I use um, a couple of self-created tools. I have um, a little notebook for each of my kids used to. Now I just have the one for my youngest. And I write probably only two or three pages a year in it. But for me, that's a quick look back at what we have done, what we wanted to do and maybe didn't get to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just sort of a certain time of the year, I'll focus in on what the next year is, what the year before was, that kind of thing. Because early on, I got to the point where I couldn't always remember. And then I'd be trying to grasp at straws to fit it all together. Mm-hmm. And when you're eclectic, it can be really helpful just to have that little annual tool. Um, but I also do write daily lesson plans. I, I more do it for my own peace of mind. Right. We don't really need it. But I also, some days, now that my youngest is older, I can really just say to her, okay, I'm I'm busy for the next hour. Take a look in the book. See what's on today. Right. Do what you can do, and then we'll meet up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously, when my kids were little, I wasn't doing it that way. But um, right. I have always had the lesson planning done. And just to be honest, I'll put on a show I'm not a huge TV watcher, but, you know, I'll put on something interesting, documentary, who knows what. And I'll just sit and pencil in Mm -hmm. where I want to be. And sometimes it's not completely accurate. I'll erase if I need to. Um, But for me, it's good. And then my kids, there are no real questions. Like, you should have done two pages of math, but you only did one. Um, We need to. Yeah work more yeah so i have to so confession time probably my flight from daily lesson plans 
uh, heralds back to the, the days of my teaching career when I had to turn them in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, now nobody has to see them, so I don't have to turn them in. Um, but no, the, the process is there. And I think that that, again, it's just the beauty of how different people can process things differently and handle it uniquely. And, um, I and think it works. Key... So, it, you know, what works. Yes. If it's daily lesson plans, because I think that there are some people that absolutely do it and do it very well. Absolutely. And stick with it all the time. Um, weekly, monthly. And that's what has always been, I think, again, just refreshing for me is that finding the place that works. And I think that when we understand that, and I, and I would say this again, for people who are just starting homeschooling, especially, or for people who feel frustrated in their homeschooling, we can share things and we can talk about what's good for you and what's good for me. You have to find what's the best for your family. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I know that both of us would say over and over Absolutely. again to people. Because what works for your family is what's going to bring success to your homeschool. So I do think the key is thinking ahead a little bit. Though. Absolutely. No matter mm-hmm. how you're going to actually walk it out, whether it's on paper or not. Yeah. You've just that little bit of thinking ahead can yes. go a long way. Yep. And making your kids part of that process, I think, teaches them that skill and helps them to do that as well. So any of that planning has always involved my children. We talk about what they want to learn, how they want to learn it this year. You know, if there's something that they want to approach differently. And that has carried on um, even beyond our homeschool. So it's really great to see how that plays out, you know, in your kids' lives once they have that skill, right? Yes. And I would just like to also add that this is the time of year that some groups have something called a curriculum share. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times moms will just get together and you can look through resources. But more importantly, you can ask questions about how do you lesson plan? How do you arrange your books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you keep your books by subject, by author? You know, some of these questions. So if you are newer to homeschooling and you hear about a curriculum share <clears throat> that you can attend, I highly suggest you go and ask those questions. Get some answers. Yeah. If you were planning to come to convention, you know, get those ideas about which curriculum you might want to mm-hmm. look at at the um, vendor hall. Yeah, I think sharing all of those ideas with other people is phenomenal because when you go into homeschooling, and I went into homeschooling with two sisters who already had started homeschooling, um, mine honestly doesn't look much like theirs at all. You know, what I ended up doing looks different from what theirs did. But when I went in, I really thought that that was the only way to do homeschooling. So not that there's was wrong. It was very effective. And they, they were homeschool, uh, homeschooling their children very successfully. They did. So it's just different. And I think that that just goes back, you know, where your comfort level is and where you're able to be comfortable is how you're going to help your children be the most successful. And I think that that's so important. I have found that no matter how long you have homeschooled, whether it's one year, 20 years, 
You can learn from others. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Lifelong learners. That's what we teach our kids to be, right? Lifelong learners. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about staying ahead of the details. And I think that we, uh, you know, we process this a little bit differently. And, um, and it's funny because when we were talking about this, one of the things that, you know, I was expressing to you, Hannah, was it's very frustrating for me because I am a planner. Um, and I have my months and weeks, I'm definitely a big picture planner for sure. And my details of those things can come together closer to time, but very frustrating for me in this 2020 was that things kept getting removed from my schedule Yes, and I couldn't figure out where to place it or what to do with it or if to place or it. if to place it. <laughs> so, so for me mentally to be able to stay ahead of details in planning um, is again, for me, the big picture is more um, what's the word I'm looking for. It's more frustrating to me if I don't have my big picture plan. And then in the daily routine, I can deal with a little bit of fluctuation or a little bit of, you know, adjustment, flexibility. But um, I have my routines that fit my seasons and that fit my my lifestyle, you know. And those, when those get disheveled, that is the more troublesome part for me. So for me, that keeping ahead of the details for me is still being able to keep my big picture in order and and be flexible to adjust in the daily routine. Um, And to, again, when plans have to change, be flexible and gracious, even though it's affecting my big picture, because the big picture is, is my ultimate goal, right? So, but we were having a conversation about routines and the way that you play out your routines um, on a daily basis. And I found it interesting because um, as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, you're intentional thinking about some of those things. Whereas I think some of those things that I do have been thought about at some point where someone had a good idea and I was like, oh yeah, we should do that. Or, oh, that makes me feel, it just makes me feel good. Like I have to get up in the morning and I don't start doing anything. Um, really, I read first. So, you know, and it varies. I read different things sometimes, but usually always I will pick up um, my Bible or it can be on my phone or my iPad, whatever it is, and I'll read scripture. And that is, you know, part of it. And then the other part of it is something that I want to read. And then I will hit emails, text. I don't want to read those things until I can read, you know, the things that make me feel good. Right. So that's part of my morning routine that I never thought about making it a part of my routine. It just was. So when you were talking about it, you were talking about it a little bit more intentionally. So share that, how you well, kind of work through your morning routine and an evening routine. The first thing I'll say is I already know that I fail at it mm-hmm. and I accept that. Well, that's that is that's that's the first piece of it for me. I view it as a tool mm-hmm. that I don't use all the time. Um, but when yes. I really need it, it's there. when something goes absolutely wrong, there's an emergency, I need to be on autopilot, 
It's there. Mm -hmm. It's actually a real physical thing. I have a piece of paper that I make once a year around January. Um, and I hang it in my bathroom. Mm -hmm. And it's just very simple with, you know, my ideal time to get up. And I am a morning person. So I recognize harnessing my morning is my best productive time. Right. So I want to be as intentional as possible, but I also don't want to push my family out of the way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my husband is with his schedule and my kids are not as much morning people. And so I don't want to be like, this is my most productive time. Get out of my way. Get out of my right, way. Right, right. So I have to balance it a little bit, but I do have a list and things as simple as get up brush your teeth, mm -hmm. eat your breakfast. Those are on the list. Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes into, you know, exercise, quiet time, um, and sort of a time frame, what time I like to get my kids up, what time we start school. And basically, my morning routine ends with start school. And we right. try to start school at 9 o'clock every day. I do give my kids some grace if they're you know, not getting out of bed and we don't start right <laughs> at nine, but certainly we can do that. We're in homeschool. Well, when they were little, <laughs> I was more serious about we are starting at nine. Be there. But as they've gotten older, I understand, you know, their bodies are changing. They're right. You know, they need the rest. And mm -hmm. um, so and plus they can start without me, too. So right. if I right. if I move something that I want to get done, um, and they start, and then I check in at 10.30. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still on track. So I, I have my written out type A personality list that is a tool. Right. And I can use it, or I can just sort of have it there. Right. And and just having it there is comfortable. Yes. Right? And I that have that for my kids, too. Right. Um, and I don't use it in a way where I say to them, you better follow this list. Mm -hmm. I say... If we're having a really rough day, very grumpy morning people, I'll say, you know what, today I'd like you to refer to your list because right. I need you to be ready for mm -hmm. whatever the day has ahead. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's important. I think it's important. Um, and so we were also talking about, I think, the last couple of things that we're going to talk about here <clears throat> before we start to wrap it up. But one of the, the things is the quiet space and finding a quiet space um, for yourself. And and I say quiet space. We're not saying quiet time only, although your quiet space may be where you have a quiet time yes. for yourself. But a quiet space. And I think that for me, it's where I have my calm space. It's where all of my things are. And... Um, not all of my things, but the things that I know I want to use or need in that space. And I'm going to be interested because I know you're going to share yours in a minute and I'll share mine in a minute, but I'm going to be interested in seeing how much ever. <laughs> okay. How much ever lasts <laughs> <with> that. <clears throat> so my quiet space at this point in time is just, is just where I can go and feel relaxed and feel like I am, um, in a, a place that is cool by that, I mean, air conditioned. <laughs> because, yes. Because that's important <laughs> to me. Um, and it does have my things nearby. So literally at this point in time, 
and this changes. We've talked about this. This can be a different place as things go. But at this point in time, I really, I have my chair is what I call it. It's my chair. Um, and it became that for me um, a little over a year ago after I had an accident. And I, and I had to basically find rest and everything else in that chair because of the issues of, you know, recuperating from my accident. But um, it has become a very practical space, but it's a comfortable space. And that's where I can go. And that's my space, you know, and it can be very quiet because it's removed from everybody else most of the time. Um, not all of the time, but, but in our daily times coming and going, it's removed. So that's where I have my quiet space. And that is where I will do my quiet time. Um, it's where I'll do my shared time with my kids when we read together or we talk about things um, and contemplate. That's what I say. We're going to contemplate some things. But, you know, so that's where all of that happens. But what about you? Well, the first thing I'll say is when my kids were little, we did not always have a separate space. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I just had an earlier time. Which works for me being a morning person because, you know. And mine was early morning, like 1 a.m. time. So <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm sleeping. I'm early morning I'm person. sleeping at that time. Right. You can be sure. These days I go to bed before my kids sometimes. So. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would get up early before the house got loud and I would take my space. But more recently, I have used two different spaces. Prior to my son leaving for college, I liked our sun porch, and although not air-conditioned, I do have bird feeders just beyond the sun porch, and so I would have the sound. love to see the birds <laughs> at my feeders. We have a pond just down the way. I could hear the fountain in the pond. Uh, just the sounds awesome. around me really helped kind of focus me in. Mm -hmm. And when I had that outdoor space, I didn't leave my things there. Right. I would bring a basket out, and in the basket, I would have uh, my journal fun pens because I, I like lots of different pens my husband <laughs> will tell you yes um, we both love pens my bible um different verses or quotes always stickers i'm mm -hmm. an artsy person um so I would have my basket of things that I might use, maybe take a cup of coffee or tea out with me, mm -hmm. some fruit, and just kind of sit and right. spend, spend my quiet time. Uh, now I am using my son's bedroom a lot of the time because he's not there. He's got a huge desk in there and I've kind of taken it over and I have those things that I can use sitting there uh, most of the time and... Mm -hmm. Uh, now I, I find myself with my daughter laying on the bed and we're listening to something together. Right. And I'm filling in, uh, I particularly like these certain journals, um, where you fill in, uh, just very quick little bits of information about gratitude and, and a verse for the day and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and so I'll just sit and fill that in while she lays on the bed and we listen right. to um, part of her school for the day. And it's just a relaxing time. And That's we do this pretty much every school day. So mm -hmm. it's something that 
helps you feel accomplished. I mean, it really is probably only 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. But as you do something repetitively over and over again, you just feel accomplished. Like, I'm able to do this every day. I'm building this intentional habit. Exactly. It's intentional and it's a routine. But it still does give you a sense of feeling like you have been productive and you have done something that you had on your list, even if it's not on your list, right? It's right. it's just the something that makes you feel refreshed and knowing that, yes, I got that done and now I can move yes. on to the next thing. And between <laughs> that intentional habit and knowing that your space is waiting, mm-hmm. even if you fail to show up every single day and you only make it there once a week or whatever, it's there waiting for you mm-hmm. and you can build on that habit. And you can get stronger at it. Yeah. And spending time in that space makes you stronger. So you you mentioned some of the things in your space that you have. Yes. Right? Um, pens are an absolute must. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to have something to write in as well. I do. I write. I doodle. I process a lot by writing. And um, sometimes it's just writing lists and, and like a brain dump, like you said earlier. But sometimes it's for a purpose, you know, things I'm using for a purpose. But, you know, it's funny because one of the things that I always want to have there is my like personal things. So like moisturizer, oh, hand yes. lotion, fingernail file, chapstick. I always, those things. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's sometimes the best way for me. Sometimes I don't sit down and read something like that when I'm there. Sometimes it's just a little bit of me time. And so I keep those things there to, you know, take that time to think, well, my nails need a little bit of attention and I got it. Well, (laughs) and how many of us are sitting in a car waiting for a kid these days Mm -hmm. Like at piano practice for us. Right. And I will, in my purse, take out some of those things, my essential oils, whatever, and spend that time just being intentional about self-care. Yeah. And that's important. And I think that that's, you know, it's fine. My other favorite thing to read that um, I I know a few people in my life that enjoy this as well, but I always will keep... um, um, recipe book over there. Yes. And so it, I actually read recipe books like from beginning to end, read recipe books. Susan. <laughs> like people would read, you <laughs> know, any cool. other kind of book. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them have stories to them and it actually is interesting. Some of them cool. are family, you know, recipe books. And so I enjoy that tremendously. But it's one of those things that actually helps with the rest of my planning. I often will find something that way, you know. That is just in my enjoying, enjoying quiet time. But I'll find something that helps me with something else that I got to do later on. (laughs) I find inspirational signs to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, And now they have those boards that you can put your own letters on. Absolutely. And my favorite one that I've made recently just says, do not drift. Which is in reference to Hebrews 2.1, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Do not drift. I can't tell you how many times every day I look at that and I'm just able to quickly measure, where am I? Where yeah. should I be? 
And then give myself grace, but still keep myself moving forward. So, yeah, the letter boards are really awesome for that. We used to and still do at times take a marker and put it on the mirror in our bathroom. (laughs) That's that's the way that we did it years ago and have still done it to this day um, at times. But it is having those words of encouragement in your face, so to speak, where you can be reminded of them is huge and important. Um. So let's talk about last, but certainly not least, because this is what makes it all tick for us and then for you. Um, But that is finding the thing that is unique to us and that helps us um, to be, I think, the best homeschool moms that we can be and give our kids success in their homeschool, but not just homeschool. Um, I think that it's more about success in life and feeling like we have done the best that we can. Um, So one of the things like we were talking about before is it's very easy for us to find ourselves in a position where we're comparing ourselves to the other person and what someone else does to homeschool, you know, and if I don't homeschool like that person, then I'm doing it the wrong way. Um, When I started homeschooling, I had several um, bars that I measured myself against. One of them was traditional schooling. I was a teacher for 13 years and my first failure at homeschooling, not my last, but my first was trying to bring that traditional classroom into my home and not having a grasp yet of what the differences would, would look like and what that, what they were. Um, so that was one thing that I had that bar there, you know, what it looks like, how it's supposed to be by the school. Then I had other people who homeschooled who I looked at and saw as very successful. Their children knew what they needed to know. They were educated. They looked very uh, well put together in their routines and what they did. It was really good. And I saw that and I was like, well, I've got I've got to do it that way because they're doing it right and it's successful for them. And so just a personal story to show how many years later um, that all of this makes a difference, that you find what's right for you and what works for you. Because I had been a teacher and had seen kids struggle so much, I had a lot of issues with what I would call traditional forms of testing. So answering test questions on a sheet of paper and Just regurgitating information is how I saw that. For some people, it's very important and it works very well for their their child and the way that they learn. But I had had the opportunity to see that it wasn't something that worked for everyone. And not every child found success that way. And then I had um, a daughter who had like testing anxiety and really struggled with that when she was in school. And that I started homeschooling when she was in eighth grade. So, you know, it was a struggle for her and she had a lot of issues with that. So one of the decisions that I made over and over and over again, because I was guilted into trying to do that testing the traditional way so many times and so many people saying, what, you don't give your child tests like that? No, what, you don't give them a grade on their test? No, well, how do you do it? And, you know, I had been... Um, a curriculum writer. I had developed things that I thought were alternative testing or alternative evaluations for what children were learning and knowing. And I really tried to approach that um, 
that evaluation of what my kids were learning in a different way. And so even through the years, as I really had, you know, flack for that at different times. And and then I began to know people who really were understanding of that and did it their their own way too. So it wasn't everybody that I ran into, but it was a constant thing for, because if I ran into one person that questioned it, that was enough to make me have this big light going, am I doing the wrong thing, right? So I was having a conversation with my son, who's now a freshman in college. Um, and I said, you know, looking back on that, you know, and looking back on your education as a homeschooler, like, are there things that you would look at me and say, just honestly, maybe if we had done that differently, or what would have worked better? You know, for me that now that you're taking college classes and things like, you know, or there are things that you look at. And I said, for instance, do you think that it hurt you in any way that you didn't take traditional tests and timed tests and things of that nature when you were young and when you were going through your education? And um, I said, is that something that we got wrong? And he just looked at me and he kind of shook his head and he goes, I really think that that's something that you really got right. <laughs> And I was like, okay, you know, and for him, he knows how to process what he learned, whether he now is telling you what he learned or is writing it down on a sheet of paper or finding an answer in a multiple choice question. So I I would say that was a unique to us thing for me as I was, was homeschooling that I really had to keep embracing over and over again because of just the judgment that would come my way sometimes. So for me, that was a unique to us thing. And I had to stick with it, you know, so it worked for us. What do you have? Well, similar. uh, When my kids were younger, um, well, and now even still with my youngest, we also, we don't do grades. We don't do testing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'll I'll add to that, listen to your kids. Because when my oldest who also is now a freshman in college, Mm -hmm. when he got to, um, I say, seventh grade, but we actually had him do seventh grade twice. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to, but Mm -hmm. we just thought it would be a good idea for him based on his age and the hard academic road he wanted to take. Right. right. We kind of came to that together. Um, But... He just looked at me one day after we had done seventh grade at home, and it, it kind of wasn't our best year. We had mm-hmm. a toddler with with some kind of learning issues going on, and we didn't quite know, and we were doing occupational therapy and things like that. And he just looked at me and said, can you please put me in a hybrid school? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be more academic and we have way too much going on around here. And I just thought, okay, he's telling me what he wants. Mm -hmm. And so one of the unique ways of our homeschool is to really listen to our kids. Yeah. And we basically said to him, look, if you are willing to work hard and make that work for you, we will invest in that. So that wasn't the way I really wanted to do it necessarily. Right. But he asked and we listened and he got straight A's all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things I really learned was unique to us to listen. 
mm-hmm. and just try to say yes when you can say yes, or at least try it. At least try. And I think, so that would be my encouragement then to those who are listening to us today. You know, from beginning to end here, the whole point of our conversation has been to just remind you to find the things that will make your life less stressful. And I think everything that we've talked about is is a way to do that. But ultimately, what we're ending with here and finding those things that are unique to us is just another way of saying finding the key to what makes our homeschool work and what makes our home work around the way that we've chosen to educate our children and the way that we've chosen to live our lives. And when you find that key, embrace it, work, you know, with it the best that you can. And in the process of that, your relationships with your children grow, your relationships, you know, with your, your spouse and in your life will grow just because you have connected with people that understand who you are and how to embrace those things. It's like finding a gem, Mm -hmm. you know, another one of the unique things to us is we call it homeschooling it all. Mm -hmm. We don't just have school, we have life. And everything ties into that. No matter if we're going to a funeral or we are sitting down to do our math or we're baking something or gardening, whatever we're doing, we're homeschooling at all. Well, and life is an education just in and of itself. And to embrace all of that learning. And I think one of the things that I would also say about you know, graduating now homeschool student is, and I think he would say, is that uh, one of the most important things is that we have taught them to be a lifelong learner and how to learn on their own. Yes. If they want to know something, they can go, they can go find how to learn, you know. So those are important things. And I know we have had a really long conversation about some of this. We tend to <laughs> always a have a long thing. one. Yeah. It is a good thing um, for people to be able, even if they can take a nugget away from this, to um, to just take a deep breath and to find ways to reduce your stress, reduce your anxiety, and reach out to other people um, who can help encourage you to do that and resources that can help you to find that. I would say, as we're closing up here, if you have um, been listening to us today and you're not really sure what FPA is all about, you can connect with us on all of the social media platforms, um, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, and follow us that way. You can find us at www.fpea.com and you can find out more information about our homeschool convention coming up in May and all of the other events that we will have throughout the year. And you can download the FPEA app on your cell phone um, to find schedules for the convention and everything that are already there. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. And we will get together again next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.